So welcome to a very special episode of the Newsroom Podcast. We are at the Regen Food System Investment Forum here in Oakland, and I'm here with Ethan. So we're back um, after a few months, a small break we took from the, the Newsroom Podcast, and we're going to go over some takeaways that we had during the last two days. We are literally at the end. You can hear some background noise. People are having some drinks. Uh, obviously, Kernza beer um, supplied by Patagonia. So we're at the end of the conference and we're going to look back at what are the key takeaways from the last two days, which were packed with speakers, 175 people in the room, all looking at how to invest in this changing food system. Ethan, what do you take away from this? There's a couple points I think that are worth exploring. Um, one is this really strong sense, and Kuhn, I know you've been following this, but I think it was the first time it kind of all came together, this message around regenerative agriculture focusing on nutrients and the nutrient density of food and that that is this reconciler that is a rallying cry to consumers to retailers to food companies it you don't even have to mention carbon you don't have to mention climate change when you can see that more regenerative food has more nutrients in it so many things will shift and there was not just one person not just two people but many different angles from the technology of analyzing food to make sure that's actually the case to the researchers looking at the overall analysis of how different foods in different places compare many different angles coming into this point of nutritious food from regenerative agriculture is going to drive the change and there was not a there was a, well, I guess there was a little bit of doom and gloom for a couple sectors about GMOs and about climate change and everything's going to fall apart. But that was a very minimal, you know, 5% problem, 95% solution here. Uh, and this thread of, of nutrients was a really big part. Did you see that? Does it match what you've been hearing? Was there a conversation that was missing uh, around that? Or did it did it kind of all come together from your perspective? Yeah, I think absolutely the, the notion of healthy soil leads to healthy produce, leads to healthy guts, and thus healthy people, and potentially healthy ecosystems, take it one step further, is something that kept, kept coming back. It's one of the subsectors I love to focus on more. I haven't done enough interviews in it because simply I haven't found enough companies and funders and investors looking at this space. I've recorded one, which um, hopefully when this goes live, goes live very soon with Teak Origin. I will link it below, um, which I think is going to blow your mind if you're listening to this because it's a lot worse than we thought and a lot more potential than we, we thought as well. But we had Dan Kittredge here in the, in the room, um, which I've interviewed before as well, the Bionutrient Food Association, and really the, all the way up from Danone to um, a general farmer, a regenerative farmer in the room, everybody kept coming, keeps coming back to that. And I think it's a, something that crosses politics lines. It's something that if it's good for you and your children, it's something you probably want to, want to buy. And, and maybe even a premium, that's something we're going to discuss, we're going to see, we're going to see in the market. But if it's at the same price level, or more or less the same price level, who would want to say no to that? I think there's a very strong argument. It could be one of the keys. We have to see if the consumer cares, if the companies are going to share this data, if the technology is really going to work at scale that we need it, and if the databases are going to tell us this is a good apple versus a bad one. There's a lot of if, 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 but... I have the feeling that a year from now, if it's uh, October 2020, we'll have a very different conversation about nutrient density. Yeah. And so it's very exciting. And it's, it came back in almost every panel. Yeah. 
I think one thing that was missing, just hearing you say that, is there wasn't a huge amount of focus on biodiversity. And I think that is a gap that maybe we can fill in upcoming podcasts and maybe in future events like this one coming up. But the just like you said, no one can say no to nutrient density. I think biodiversity is also something that everyone has a hard time saying no to. What CEO or CFO, what person could say, uh, yeah, I'd really like for there to be more extinction of species happening. Yeah, and I think, I think with the Extension Rebellion um, protests that are happening constantly and, and should and will happen much more, and with books coming out of Wilding, like I, I did an interview with Isabella Tree, of course she's called Tree, and she's actually on a book tour right now in the US. Her book got published here. I think we're gonna hit a momentum with biodiversity and we're gonna probably find out just with, with nutrients, it's a lot worse than we thought. And there's a lot more potential and, and a lot more potential when you do things right for stuff to come back yeah. very quickly. And but also in very surprising ways and surprising places that you didn't expect biodiversity to bounce back. Right. And I think from the, the consumer packaged goods angle, there was just a huge announcement that came out last week uh, from Emmanuel Faber, CEO of Danone, uh, on biodiversity. And I think it was 18 or 19 trillion dollars worth of companies uh, were basically saying we support biodiversity at all scales or not that we <laughs> we would like to support. We don't necessarily know if we are right now. Do we have the right tools in our, you know, to track our supply chain and see what we're currently doing? Maybe not, but we really want to, and we really think it's a good idea, and you should all, you know, get on board with us. Yeah, and I think that's that's something we, we've seen a few of those companies here, but we definitely could see more. I mean, there were there were massive companies part of this announcement, and, and at the same time, they don't really know what they're talking about, and they haven't probably talked with their, their farmers, and we don't know how far we can push it. I think the, the most regenerative farmers are still maybe halfway through what they could do if they really, really get the chance, if they get the right finance, if they get the right offtake agreements, and if we actually actually pay for, for what we, we get from these amazing farmers. I think we're going to be very surprised of how, f- how much biodiversity actually can come back on farmland that produces mm-hmm. food, a lot of food, instead of just looking at farm versus nature, put a big fence and, and hope right. for the best. Another thing, uh, kind of key takeaway from the last couple of days here at the Regenerative Food Systems Investment Forum, um, was talking about all of the farmers who aren't doing that yet, the large number of farmers that are still coming from an extractive paradigm, um, and how to support them, really support them towards better quality of life, towards economic resilience, towards not being uh, backed up against the ropes or backed up against the wall with the mounting debt, with everything they have. And I, I know that in this show in the past, I have sometimes been critical of uh, folks out there in the community who are saying regenerative agriculture, but doing what, in my opinion, is very functional, reducing harm, you know, using less chemical inputs and calling that regenerative. And I think one thing that was very interesting in getting to meet some of these people here um, is that all of them had as an explicit strategy not that this was their long-term goal was to reduce inputs a little bit. All of them had as an explicit strategy a kind of quiet, regenerative Trojan horse idea where getting in with farmers on you know cost savings, on maybe some price premiums, is really just a way to connect, to build relationship, uh, and to get ready for a deeper transformation that can happen in nutrient density, in biodiversity, in shifting whole farming systems. So there's an explicit understanding 
here that while we may externally be focused on the kind of functional, quick, uh, reduce harm, make more efficient steps, that uh, at least what I'm hearing is that is a appetizer for a more delicious meal that we can all create together through a deeper shift to regenerative agriculture. Yeah, and I think that the, the most important piece of that is actually building trust. Farmers have been um, lied to, cheated forever, basically. And, and we heard a lot of examples here of, of farmers, of actually a big issue being non-independent agronomic advice and basically getting your advice from somebody that's also selling you the chemical packages obviously is not going to lead to the optimal um, chemical package, whatever side of the, the aisle you come from. So building that trust and seeing that you, you, you lead to immediate results is something that um, probably applies to a lot more farmers and, and a big chunk of those. And I think we know quite a few of the, the, the regenerative farmers that have been doing this for a long, long time. All of them have come through a massive personal change. But it's not what they started with. They probably started because they were against the war and they couldn't buy any uh, inputs anymore. The only thing they could afford was a few cover crops. I mean, we know examples of that. And, and if we, let's hope they not all have to be pushed against the wall before they make that change, we can actually uh, invite them and nudge them into step by step and see the changes that are possible. And who knows, 10 years down the line, they will be here sharing a very personal transformation story and we'll be all very happy and they write a book, etc. But we need 10,000s of those to, to really have that change. Mm. To... To wrap up, is there anything else you want to share or do we go to upcoming events? Um, just one last thought and just kind of reflection from being here. This was an incredible community gathering. Uh, like Kuhn said, 175 people all together. There was a real sense of uh, this group, even though they're coming from all sides of the world, uh, you know, meeting up here, there's a real sense of like a little seed of something that is going to grow. Lots of potential, lots of optimism, uh, investors uh, of many scales who are here, excited about investing, have already invested, want to do more, want to figure out larger ways to mobilize capital to get into the space. How do we do that together? A lot of energy moving in this direction. Uh, so it feels like just the start. There was a, a great moment uh, at the, the final panel with uh, Tina Owens from Danone and uh, Gina Sudagon from Applegate. Um, and Cesare from uh, Cesare Assad from Food System Six, but Tina Owens uh, asked everyone, just straight up, asked to the room. She said, "How many of you, given the work that we've done together, given what you've heard in the last two days, how many of you think that regenerative agriculture is going to go away in ten years? That in ten years it just it won't even be a thing. You won't even hear about it. Uh, if you think that's the case, raise your hand, and we'll wait for you. Go ahead." Waiting, waiting. Nobody in the room raised their hand. There's a real clarity that this is here and will grow. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But let's wrap it up. Let's see what's upcoming. I have one thing to put in your calendars if you listen to this. It's called Terra Madre, which is the main two-year, um, every two-year Slow Food organizes in Turin, northern Italy, their main event. It's a food show. It's a huge activist uh, movement, and we are going to add uh, a finance part to that. So come if you're interested in any type of good, clean, and fair food. Come. It's October 8th until 12th, 2020, Turin, Northern Italy, Terra Madre. So have that in your calendar, but we also have a few events that are a bit closer to, to the date. No. 
Just at the end of this month, at the end of October, is the Regenerative Earth Summit in Colorado. Uh, This is a great event. A number of larger food producers and uh, fashion companies uh, and regenerative agriculture farmers and um, NGOs will be there. It's a great place to continue the conversation that started at this event. Or if you couldn't make it to this one, come to that one. A lot of the same people will be there and moving things forward. Um, That's the main big event that's coming up next. And then I'll also just give a little sneak preview for probably what we'll record next. Uh, I'm about to release a map of the regenerative agriculture industry that has over 100 different organizations, investment funds, uh, service providers, NGOs, even a few farms, not as many as there could be, but just a start to see the whole regenerative agriculture industry. And so we can start to track it, see how it grows and evolves in the coming time. So look forward to that coming up. Perfect. I want to thank you so much for listening. This is the first time we are recording something live, Ethan and I. So it's a, it's a great pleasure, and hopefully that happens more often. Thanks, Ethan, for, for being here. Thanks, Kuhn, for everything you do.